Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Traumatized. Today I have an interview with Dolphin Casper. He's a motivational speaker and his area of expertise is being a relationship breakthrough accelerator. Basically he says, I take singles and couples from broken hearts to unbreakable love and I do it from the inside out. He is someone who really knows his information regarding trauma and CPTSD. And we had a really good interview about this and we discussed almost everything regarding trauma and CPTSD. So I hope you enjoy this interview and here you are, my interview with Dolphin Casper. First off, actually something not related. Um, where did you get the interesting name Dolphin? I, that is, I'm sure that you get that often because it's not a very common name. <laughs> no, no, it's very uncommon. Uh, the short story is that uh, my mom was struggling to come up with a name for me. And uh, I actually was born and she was trying to spend time with me to get a, a sense of who I was and thought that would help. But uh, I was almost a month old and I had no name and the government was kind of nudging and nagging at her to, to figure it out for a birth certificate and citizenship and all that stuff. And uh, a friend of hers, because she was really sort of at a loss, a friend of hers said, why don't you ask for his name in a dream? And without better ideas at the time, she said, okay. So she, she went to go to bed that night and said to herself or said to the universe, I need a name for my son. And so that night she had a dream that she was sitting at a table. A man that she didn't know came, sat down next to her. He looked at her and he said, why don't you name him Dolphin? And then she woke wow. up. That's that's cool. I like that. That's it's that's a very unique and fascinating story. You know, I don't hear that kind of stuff every day. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a okay. unique one. Nice. Okay. Well, now let's get back to the topic. Okay. Sure. So, as I'm sure you've seen, and I, and this kind of came to me about a week ago because I was trying to come up with a real good first episode topic, like a real catchy one, and. I kept, like, I take, I take, uh, I started taking transit since I moved because I, I live close to where I work and then just happened to use a transit. And so I see a lot of people every day back and forth on the train and, and going up to the, you know, entering, entering into the station and leaving it. And, and I see, oh, hundreds and hundreds of people. And, and I, I notice they're, facial expressions and their and their behavior and their you know the way that they're presenting themselves and when they're sitting in their in in the the chair or how they talk to each other and and i notice a lot of people they seem to have an like it's like a natural or just a like their default is like angry or anti like a like an antisocial feel to it and I, I remember when I was younger, I would, my opinion and thoughts on this was, was a lot different than today. And I used to, I used to really think that there, that a lot of people were just not very open-minded or they were just really kind of close to themselves or, or just not, they don't want to interact with people. It, you know, it, it was, it was a negative thought, negative feeling. And I didn't, I was truly uneducated and didn't really understand why a lot of people, I'm not saying everybody is, but a lot of people have gone through some kind of trauma, whether it's a repetitive trauma through relationships, through growing up as a child, uh, bullying in school, you know, like school is a real tough for, for most people. Um, expectations and, and getting along with, with individuals. And they're so, it, it takes a toll on a lot of people. And we're so fragile, like mentally fragile, that things at a young age or even in an early adult age can really affect us. And it, it shapes the way we live real easily, especially if it's something very, like, very, um, you know, deceptive or, or significant, like being in a, in an abusive relationship and, and all you, 
you leave it and the first thing you think of is instead of going, okay, fresh start, the moment you try to look at, like, especially if it's been maybe a couple, you, your first thought isn't, this is going to be a great start. It's, I'm scared that I'm going to have this happen again. And so they're, they're automatically feeling worried and like there's a bit of paranoia and, and anxiety and stress about starting a new relationship because th their first thing is, is they're afraid of finding another, finding someone who's going to do the same thing over, like all over again. And so it, it keeps them from truly expressing themselves or being real and honest because they're afraid that 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 next person's just going to be like their last their last partner and they're just going to repeat the whole th the whole thing over or they've dealt with you know they just they just haven't had a really good good life due to multiple situations in their lives that like maybe they were abused as a child or they were their their parents were so hard on them that they they built this expectation that was unrealistic so they they work hard but they they don't know how to be a social person you know because that's all they ever do is work because they they feel like if they work and work and work that they'll please their parents or they'll please whoever they're they're working for and they'd spend no time living their life and it it's 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 incredible and at the same time sad how people can be easily and quickly like it just sticks and a lot of I, I hate to say it but it's like there's not a lot of people who are very like strong mentally in certain areas and it it affects them and people see it that not everybody's looking for it hmm. yeah yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot in what you said there. And, um, you know, for those people that might be listening and, and are, are carrying some challenging pieces from their past, you know, I think what I want to start with is just uh, a reflection that, you know, in my over 20 years of working with people, and, and in many ways, some of the most traumatized people, some of the people who grew up with the most challenging environments, um, you know, everyone wants the same thing. On a deep level, we want to feel connected first to ourself and our own sense of, of existence and then through that to others. And, and, and of course, we want safety. But I would actually argue that that safety is not a primary need. It, it is important in all of the ways that it's important. But um, living a life where every moment is safe actually isn't much of a life. So another thing that I like to invite people that are working with their own traumatized pieces to remember is life is not supposed to be free of trauma. Life is not supposed to be free of difficulty. We're not supposed to have it easy and safe all the time. Yeah. The real key is to be connected to something that makes it worth showing up for the things that are painful and difficult. And I think that's, that's the real epidemic right now around mental health and around trauma is not so much that there's too much trauma in the world. And I'm not trying to minimize trauma in any way, but it's my contention that what we're really struggling with in modern times is a relationship with a meaning that is deep enough to help us make sense of the trauma and pain of life. And, and when we have that, all of a sudden, we find ourselves leaning in, opening, becoming more curious, becoming more uh, courageous, reaching out and connecting with people that can really support us. So, so, you know, that, that to me is, is absolutely primary. The, the, the first goal should not be that we run out and try to make everyone feel warm and fuzzy and safe. Although there's a place for that. Our real first step is to first reconnect with our own reason for being our own existential why and to bring that into any of the interactions or work we do with other people, especially if, if someone's a coach or a therapist or a social service worker, if we're not connected to our joy of being, our own existential why, how can we reflect it to someone that's that's struggling with that more than anything else, even more than the pain from their trauma? They're struggling with a sense that they're not connected to a reason for being that makes sense to them. So, yeah, yeah that's a place we can start. And then wherever you want to go, I'm, I'm happy to, to walk Absolutely. along. Absolutely. That it's amazing because you mentioned that about the 
you know, the connection. And it is a lot what we, st we, we strive for connection because no, I don't think anybody, when they choose, you know, and they, and they branch out into the world, I don't think anybody purposefully chooses to be alone. Like it's not, that's not their ultimate goal. Um, I know that there are some people who enjoy having alone time and they're, they are um, the opposite of, uh, I can't think of the word at the moment, sorry. Um, Intr introvert. Introverted. Extroverted, yeah. There yeah. yeah. Um, there are introverted people. It's just that they, they have a good sense of balance in their life. They, they like to have their, the good times and, and, and have fun with, with their friends or, or have a relationship or just, you know, have fun, but they also crave that, that time to themselves because they like to reflect. They like to, to spend time with self-improvement or just enjoying whatever they do, you know, and not having to ha worry about what other people think or say. And I, it's interesting, the whole connection thing, like I, was just recently uh, out of a, of a relationship that was not at first, but eventually became uh, an emotionally abusive relationship. And there was so much negativity and, and so much criticism and harshness that when I started, the, and this is what really started to, to broaden my, my understanding of, of the need for the, of that connection and, and emotional maturity and stuff is the moment I was, I was starting to hang out and, and interact with a friend of mine who were really close, but it was a lot of positive interaction and a lot of like, you know, like back and forth talking about each other's like, personal issues and, and situations and, and having good connection and really enjoying conversations and, and leaving the, the, for the rest of the day feeling nice and, and good and, 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 you know, like, and just having that, like, feeling like this was awesome, I want more. Mm. And it was, it had been such a long time since I had felt that. And it was, and it was so extreme that, my system, I didn't know what to do with it. I, I, it, it was like something foreign had, had come into my life and it was so good that I didn't know how to handle it, how to break it down, how to manage it properly so that I could enjoy it but not get overwhelmed by it. And eventually, like I, I had help with some, from people who were, you know, showing me other angles that I didn't, you know, I wasn't able to see because I was, I was too focused on, on one area. And after their assistance, it, it just dawned on me. Like, it was like, I'm now, and it was very ironic, I'm now becoming more emotionally mature than I was in the, than I, than being in this relationship because I'm starting to see the benefits of all this positive energy and, and this connection, but I'm also able to step back and compare it to my other, the other half, which was mostly negative. And it really broadened my perspective on life and on connection and my level of understanding on how, how this works. Because, and I'm not ashamed to say this, I was at a point where I honestly believed that love was either intimate or you don't have it. It's one or the other. There isn't a middle or in between or multiple positions in, in the middle. I thought it was just one or one, all or nothing. Mm -hmm. And learning that, yes, you can love people and, and it's, it's in, a, in a friendship way or in a child way. Like there's, there's all different angles and that exposure to it really opened my eyes and and I've learned so much just in that time frame about it it's amazing and it's so amazing when when you feel that yeah yeah and and you know love would be one of those things that that trauma seems to cut us off from yeah you know the 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 traumatic experience creates changes in us 
there are responses and adaptations to trauma that are that are highly adaptive and functional to yeah. to what the initial threat or damage was um but but the trauma is meant to be addressed and cared for and integrated in the context of a healthy family and community yeah. and we live in a modern age where that's rarely available to people Absolutely. And so, and so then we see what we see. We see people who, who struggle to feel connected to their own sense of love, their own ability to love themselves, their own ability to discern what love is and what it's not. Hence all of the toxic and dysfunctional relationships that, that tend to yeah. sprout from a, a traumatized history. And, and you know, the, the beautiful thing is like love doesn't care. Love wants to flow. And so the moment we make room for it, it starts to move again. And, yeah. The challenge for those of us with really painful pasts is that as we open to love, we also open to pain. And so there's just no way, it, you know, to me, the flow of life is like a river and, and it's full of experiences, some of them exquisite, some of them terrible. But the more we try to block off or hold or control the flow of life, the flow of experience, the more it just does what rivers do when you do that, which is they, they become a reservoir. And then yeah. most of humanity is walking around with a big reservoir of unprocessed emotion and in all of that, unexpressed love. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we learn our habits like when, you know, in any aspect of, of caring and expressing our emotions, we learn our habits so quickly and so early in life um, that when we're exposed to a new, something brand new that you've never known before, you've never experienced, it, it can definitely be very scary. And, you know, it, our, our first obvious, our first reaction is usually going to be to, to, to kind of back off and, and evaluate and wonder if, if this is the right thing to do. And if we've had a lot of, you know, negative experiences and a lot of trauma in from whatever aspect, whether it's from our parents or from schoolmates or uh, past relationships, it really hampers our ability to to have an an open mind and a, and a, a fair, you know, uh, aspect of what we're what we're going to deal with or what we could be dealing with and most people their first reaction is to to back away and and say no because their their fear from their past is is you know is is taking over and they're not i don't think that they're they're in that situation they're not healed yet they're not they're not you know whole enough to to really under, you know to appreciate from both sides like it's it's good to have it on both like you know you, you don't want to be jumping in without that kind of wondering and 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 you know seeing it from from a, a non-biased point of view but you 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 have to be capable of seeing the benefits and the the repercussions on both sides and a lot of people just aren't really ready for it due to you know unex their their trauma yeah, you know, I'm I'm curious for you, you know, bringing obviously a lot of your personal sentiments and your personal experiences to the table for the podcast and 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 also wanting to have conversations and interview people, um, you know, is are there any areas that we want to focus on or, you know, are there any dots that that if connected would really support you in the podcast or in your life or, you know, for the audience that's coming to the table to listen? Um, yeah, I'd love to just get into some pieces that hmm. that feel uh, sort of tangible and practical for people, uh, whatever absolutely. that might be. Um, absolutely. I I haven't had a ton of relationships. Um, I've been in three serious ones that span oh, probably over 10 or so years. And this the one thing that always happened is I was, I was not capable of really standing up for my own boundaries, like setting a boundary and staying with it. I would often give in or like 
instead of saying, no, I'm not, I don't really want to do this. I, I, I would rather sit home and, and relax or, or I've, no, this isn't right for me. I often would, would just let it go and, and do what they wanted. And, or I was incapable of seeing the, the signs that this was just not right. This wasn't good. And my immediate, re- and, the, and the opposite would happen. It would be where I feel like this, this, is, the, this is as good as it's going to get. And if I leave, I'm not going to find someone who's going to be better. So I might as well just stick around and deal with it. Maybe it'll change. Mm-hmm. That's, that was a consistent in all the relationships. And each time I would, before I would get into the next one, it was, I always would say, I'm, I'm going to be different. This is, I'm going to make sure that I do what's right for me, that I'm not going to be a pushover. And yet it, it never happened. It was always the same. Like I couldn't, I couldn't fight it. And because the urge, the urge to give in and make someone happy, like I'm a, I'm a fawn when it comes to the four F's Mm -hmm. and it was more, it felt more important to, to make them happy than to worry about my own happiness. And ultimately and it ended up just either delaying the ultimate you know the ultimate ending or making things worse yeah yeah so you know i'm curious if we if we want to kind of use that i'm sure a lot of people can relate to the fawn response to tension or conflict or even just uh, competing needs on both sides of a relationship is familiar to a lot of people so you know, I don't yeah. mind kind of digging in. Like, why did why do we do that? I think yeah, there's two sure. there's two primary reasons, and and often they come as a package for people in terms of why they they fawn as a as a response to to tension and and conflict. Um, so yeah, let me let me just get into the two primary ones that I notice very frequently. They're not the they're not, they're not the whole story, but um, they tend to be a, a consistent genesis for people. Right. Yeah. So, no problem. What I notice in it's, you know, very much the people pleasing dynamic, Uh, just looking to try to, you know, just cover everything with a nice warm, fuzzy blanket and everything's okay. And often we we um, we deny or or disregard our own needs in our effort to try to make it all okay for everyone. And so, you know, oftentimes that develops in an environment where there's volatility and we at a very young age take on the responsibility of trying to keep the peace like it's not safe and for for us to feel like we have any sense of of connection and stability we feel like it's all on us to do it and and that when we don't do it or we don't do it well things go badly and so that that shines a little bit of light on why we might do something like find ourselves playing out this fawn and people pleasing dynamic and then after the relationship reflect and go, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Like I'm, I'm done with that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm better than that. I'm worth more, whatever we say to ourselves. And then we get into another relationship. And in spite of the intellectual understanding on a deeper level within our biology, within our kind of nervous system, the same danger feels like it's looming. So yeah. even though the intellectual un- understanding is there in our system, it's like, if I don't do this, it's big trouble. That's what it feels like. And so then we're facing the same precipice, the same like, oh, I got to jump off this cliff to do this thing that feels like I'm going to die if I do it. Or I can go back to this kind of warm, fuzzy blanket that, that I can go to. And I know it's not good, but it feels safe. So like that's one where, where it was dangerous and we had to come in and kind of save, save the day, or at least that was the story we told. And, right. and, and that one kind of includes these two pieces, which is either we had something or someone in our life that was the tyrant. And we identified that as wrong and bad. Mm-hmm. An assertive Absolutely. feels like we're, that's the road we're going down. And if, if, we may, if we vilified it or them and we made it wrong and bad to be aggressive or controlling or whatever that is, then, then we, we won't even tread close to it. And, and unfortunately, assertiveness and standing up for ourselves looks and feels from the outside looking in a lot like aggressiveness and control. And so, so then we, we, we just we yeah. skirt it. We just stay away from it entirely. And so that's, that's one. Right. And then the other one, again, is just if we 
identified with someone else that was in the space that was the the the, the receiver or the the victim of that aggression then then our desire to try to help or hold or protect them kind of takes over and then that can include us but oftentimes it's mom or it's a sibling and so so then we're stuck in this place where we've vilified anything that looks strong or aggressive or controlling and that makes it really hard to set boundaries in relationship because that's what it looks and feels like to us or we get really locked in this protector peacekeeper sort of personality and and again mm. not doing it feels like we're we're putting ourselves and even like irrationally we're just putting life at risk yeah not doing this thing that we've done throughout our lives and and so you know one thing we can do is just have just tons of compassion for the fact that that's what i learned to do when i was little and and it really worked initially and in a way it continues to work but it's just really good to know that the road to integrating that pattern is going to involve facing and feeling all of the ways in which that coping strategy helped you not face and feel so so and the the, the real challenge or one of the big challenges is that there are still people that are bad actors there are still people that are that are abusive and dangerous yeah. So it's not to fully turn that whole system off. It's just to know where we sit on the spectrum. Like this is one thing I actually, this, I learned this working with athletes. Hmm. So you can break, break most things down along some kind of spectrum. Like this is an extreme on that side. And this is another extreme on this side. And if, if you identify yeah. that you are way on one end of the extreme spectrum, then spending time just exploring and playing on the other side is going to be extremely rich with learning for you so again if you are a people pleaser and you always do what other people want and you're always putting yourself second even if it's not always the right thing to do just playing on the side of putting yourself first playing on the side of just saying what you want and need even if you're not sure that it's the right thing to do like you have to give yourself permission to begin exploring the way you would have as a child if you had a safe environment that's how we learn to be socially apt, right? Like we, we play right. and we make mistakes, but but we're playing on all the different parts of the spectrum and seeing the results of that play. And then again, if we're, if we're present and we have other people modeling over time, we just learn how to play well. And, and people who are carrying unresolved trauma, not really to any fault of their own, just didn't learn how to play well in relationship. And, and yeah. that's the road of, of healing trauma is to, to learn how to play again. Absolutely. I, I think at the same time, a lot of people, if poor self-awareness is probably somewhat harmful too, because if they have no awareness of, that, of their actions, like I'm, I'm not saying that it's their fault, of course, but I'm just saying that if, they, if they're just oblivious to to anything that's going on with themselves or with the people around them it is a lot harder for for anybody to to even start finding out and going down that path to you know to to towards healing or to to discover you know self-discovery and i that was for a lot of a lot of my life an issue is just I wasn't uh, self-aware of of things. I it, it felt like it was copacetic, like everything was was fine. I I grew up for, for such a long time in a certain way that it just felt normal, and like the way I behaved, the way I interacted with people, it just felt normal. I didn't. It, I never thought after going something's not right about that. Why, why is, why am I having situations or interactions and responses from people that are unusual or closed off or, or negative and other people are having, you know, a good response or having nice friendships and, and always getting together. None of that ever occurred. It, I just, it was just like going day after day going, yeah, okay. Did my thing. You don't think about it. And then suddenly you have somebody kind of open your eyes and 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 you see this you know like you you finally see if if you're the way you act or the way somebody else acts towards you it's not as simple as just 
what you see, like what you see isn't always what you get. There is something else. Mm -hmm. There could just be, they could be having a bad day. They could have been, you know, they could be in a relationship that's, that's really rough and, and they don't know what to expect when they come home after each day of work or, or maybe they're, they're dealing with, uh, an illness or something that they're, that they're, it's really making them struggle. And, and if they've got, CPTSD already it's it's making their their lives even more complicated and harder to deal with and many of us including myself never really looked at it from another angle or from from an outside point of view and ever since being shown that and my awareness you know started to expand not only did I see myself in a different way and under, started to understand everything so much better, it, it really started to show other, like how other people, like what they're hiding or what they're willing to show and, and talk about. And, and I, f I kind of feel in a way privileged because I have my my knowledge and my self-awareness on on all this has allowed me to help other people directly like literally just people are, are talking about their their struggles and and i'm able to go well it sounds like you're dealing with like you you've got a mother who might have narcissistic tendencies and and you've dealt with that your, for most of your life and now your instinct is to work so hard to to please others that you don't take care of yourself or you don't stand up for yourself or you're you're just working to to make others happy and suddenly it was like the light bulb went off and literally a week later I'm like yeah I've been thinking about it and researching and looking it up and it makes sense and I get it and it's like they just helping you know that that knowledge and that understanding of it and being able to help someone see things from a different point of view it, just by that self is enough right like especially when it's when it's a friend that you, you know you know you want to see them improve their life and 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 learn how to deal with with their own trauma and 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 start the healing process and and showing them the uh, like the, the right way to go is, is quite something. And it's not enough people have that, right? There, there's, there's very few out there that have any kind of guidance or any sort of uh, like that, that light ahead of them saying, here, follow this. This is, a, this is a good way to go. Yeah, yeah, sorry, someone just came to my door. Um, oh, it's fine. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the, the information can help a lot. You know, someone who who's just really lost and, and out of touch with with what's going on and why and, and what is there for me to do about it. You know, people who are still locked in in fairly strong trauma responses and trauma dynamics, um, in a certain way, they're in a bit of a cloud. Like they can't see clearly and they can't feel clearly. And, and, and these are the ways that we're meant to interpret and, and create solutions for the life that we're that we're navigating um, and and to me the information is just part of the story because you know I think to myself of someone who has lots of letters next to their name and they've written books and and you know they, they, they know the answers in the back of the textbook but but that on its own isn't really going to help because you know and and you see this in in one of the primary concepts in therapy like and i'm sure you've heard of it but you know mm -hmm. the, the primary uh indicator as to whether a therapy a therapeutic approach or intervention is going to be effective is not the experience of the therapist it's right. not the skill of the therapist it's not the modality it's how safe and connected the the patient or or, or person getting getting support feels towards the therapist it's called the therapeutic yeah. alliance so there's something about us feeling connected and safe with another human being and feeling care and love coming from them that is transformative to what is trauma and and to me it's, it's like of course because that's what a loving parent would do and and yeah. in the context of a connected supportive community 
That's what community is meant to do. It's meant to play the role of the loving parent for the members of the community. And, and again, in modern time, how many of us have that? How many of us can at any moment pick up the phone and reach out to someone or get online and reach out to someone and, and have a face-to-face -face with them and they're going to be available and they're going to be responsive and loving and caring and they're going to know how to be with us in a way that, that really you know helps us. Some people have it. Most yeah. don't. And, and it's a huge yeah. challenge that we face. You spoke just before we got on the call about, um, you know, like we have a, a, a big challenge coming. Like whatever's going on currently with mental illness and mental well-being, um, things are going to be much worse before they get better. And yes. we're not ready. And so, you know, I think this conversation and more like it are important, not just to shine light on what's going on, but to have a, a relevant conversation around, well, what do we do? What What is it the most meaningful way that we can start to ready ourselves as individuals, as families, as communities, and as societies for for the needs that are that are at play and that will continue to grow around mental well-being. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I completely agree. Um, I think the f some of the first things that have to t that does need to change, and it's going to take uh, maybe a generation or two, is it's the outsider's point of view and opinion on mental health and on people that. Well, we all see it every day. We, we, a lot of us are in look sits, you know, a downtown of a city or, or in an, in a poorer neighborhood. And we see a lot of people who are struggling and a lot of, there's a lot of people out there who's their first, you know, their first thought is these people, they should just go get a job or why don't they, why are they, you know, like they don't really understand what they've what these people have may have gone through they have they may have an mental mental illness maybe they went through severe trauma and they didn't know how to handle it and they got into addiction you know like and and it and unfortunately it's it's caused them to to not be able to to hand to to keep a job or or they're not able to function because it's it's so overwhelming that this is the only thing they know that's safe or that makes that works for them and people, yeah, every day, people are, are always, their first thought is, is, is a negative thought. They, they don't go, if, you know, these people need help, if there were just more, more people out there that could, that could, you know, give them the help that they need, if the government was a little more uh, open-minded to, to what can we do instead of how do we eliminate it, you know, it, it might change. It, it's going to take a while, but it might just, you know, it may happen because unfortunately a lot of people out there aren't getting the help that they desperately need and it could be very beneficial for them. Mm. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it's not an easy equation to solve it, it. It's, it's not obvious what the right intervention is. It's not obvious what the right amount and kinds of resource that, that, the the issues are calling for um it's clear to me that that healthy honest authentic meaningful human relationship is a, a primary intervention um and that doesn't have to be trained it doesn't have no one needs to have you know a master's or a phd or any particular training um right. that training does help in certain ways but the idea that someone needs to have that to be able to provide support and, and and guidance to someone that's suffering from something like trauma is is just a silly new modern concept it's, it's sort of the the professionalization yeah. of of care and expertise which again there's a there's a place there's a role but the idea that some institutionalized authority and, and certification is the only way to know whether someone can bring real care and, and sort of respite for people that are suffering is again to me is just it's just upside down and inside out yeah it, it, that's true it's there's not a lot of open minds right now to new thoughts and new new you know new thinking and, and possibilities out there it like it's obviously improved like we're not we're not sending 
all these people to institutions and locking them up for the rest of their lives and and thinking they're just crazy you know i know that a long time ago that was what they always did with with people who were dealing with with mental illness and trauma that they didn't know how to they didn't know what to do and yet it i guess the thing that the best example i can think of is is governments all they want to do is 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 look at giving money to things like military or to to healthcare, but I never hear anything about mental health. Like uh, there was a up up here, it's like there was in about a year or so ago, there was this big big news about the federal government giving uh, families that are that don't have uh, private healthcare or or, or health coverage. Uh, free dental care and and you know like daycare and yet there wasn't a single word or even a breath about mental health there was nothing to do with mental health mm-hmm. and we have like literally one day a year where there's a big deal about you know, about tweeting out mental health and talking about it but it just feels like there's so far to go to really think and and do something about it and no one seems to really want to step up and even start it mm. there's priorities that are are way more important to them and yet this the thing that i don't think they realize is it's really going to catch up because if we have another you know in five years we have another pandemic <laughs> or you know or even or something really seriously like severe happens in, in the world or even in a country, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be affected and they're just not going to know what to do. Like, it's going to be one of those, it's, it'll be like trying to figure out how to, how to make a vaccine for, for the, for the, for COVID. It'll, it'll be like, how do we deal with this? We're so far behind. Mm-hmm. There are hundred, you know, millions of people who are dealing with mental illness and, and, and trauma and whatever else. And we don't know what to do. Like, we gotta be at a point where that's never going to be the case. We're, we're just, we're so bu- so far back that it feels like it's it's too hard, too, too much of a climb. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's there's a challenge there. Like if we think about kind of governance and political will, you know, the, the more complex a challenge is, and the longer the timeline between when you, you know, implement something and when you see positive result from that implementation. Yeah. Uh, the the bigger and and longer that is the less the less politically uh, easy it is to to create programs to you know to implement something to you know how do you get your constituency to re- reelect you when your plan to solve the problems is a 20 year plan or a 30 year plan which is what many of these issues would actually require right so like yeah. we have a political system that's not built to really address genuine big picture long term issues um, so that, you know, just from a, from a, a bigger picture uh, solution perspective, like our, our societies are not currently built to, right. to take care of, to address, to navigate big issues. Um, Absolutely. And so, so that's one. To me, you know, if, if, I was, if I was in charge, and this, again, this is like a, a, a modern human paradigm challenge or issue, which is we, we tend to focus on the problem, which really is the symptom and then we busy ourselves trying to fix or cover or band-aid the symptom without coming with real curiosity and real intelligence and real problem solving around like what what is this symptom telling us about the well-being of the system whether that's an individual human being a family a community or a society like the the principles are there we actually have understanding of the principles that that allow a a human culture to thrive and and if we took our attention away from the symptoms and went what does a human culture need to really feel connected to meaning and connected to purpose connected to a reason for being a reason to be connected a reason to be together a reason to collaborate and then how do we begin making adjustments to our society to more reflect those principles Again, that's like a fifty or a hundred, like you said, two generations. I think maybe a bit generous, but but yeah. if 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 we took fifty or a hundred years to just 
make slow, consistent, meaningful adjustments to how we do business as society that are aligned with what we already know as first principles or core principles around what allows human culture to thrive, eventually we would see the results. But but people don't trust that or they have no. interests that pull them away from from staying honest to an endeavor like that. And then, you know, we'll see. It's, it's, it's not clear to me that we're going to do well over the next 50 or 100 years, but um, the, the time will pass. And so we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I know. I think we're, I think right now we're, <laughs> we haven't even reached the starting line, I guess you could say, if, if you want to look at it as in a race, they're, they're arguing about who's going to get the first lane at this point. Um, it's, it's pretty, like, I guess I just, you know, you see everything going on today, like especially right now. And it just feels like the last thing anybody's thinking about is the well-being of, of people. It's, it's, it's like individual goals that, they, that these people have or, or, or they or they want to do things just in spite of other other groups because it's more important than working together to to get a to to find to finish something or to make make it better they just they rather fight and 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 argue for the sake of being on the opposite side you know like no one seems to have any ideas beyond mm. just well what can we do to delay or to cause cause problems or how can we get elected so what can we you know, how do, how do we make the other person look bad rather than how do I make myself look good? Yeah. Do, do you mind? I, I want to say something about, about sure. that, what you just shared. It, it's, um, and, and it's, it's actually really common. And I wouldn't say just with people who have experienced trauma, but it, it's, it's a tendency and probably more and more as time has gone in this modern culture, but our desire to, to paint extremely broad strokes and, and use universals or, or, or um, yeah, ultimate statements like always, ever, no one, never. Um, just in how you share it, it's like, does, it seems like no one. And then I'll just push back a little bit. Like, I think if we're in the media, if we're looking at, at social media or even sort of mass media news outlets and that kind of stuff, it's, it's easy to get depressed pretty quick. Um, yeah. What I've been finding, like I've been on the road for six months and I've just been in and out of communities all over North America. And it's been really heartening how much love and generosity and presence and connection there is that I'm experiencing. Now, I know that's not the whole story. I'm not I'm not blind to or, or insensitive to how strange and upside down our world is right now. And, and for sure, when it comes to mental health and, and, and mental health service, um, I think we're missing the mark in some really significant ways. And I don't think it's helpful to to tell ourselves the story that there's just nothing good happening and no one has a clue and no one's doing anything because I think it, it it's uh, first, it's not true to what we would more deeply know about life and about people, but it also locks us in a way of, of relating that, that we'll then bring into our day and then we'll be less available than we could be. And, and we'll give less of an example of the kind of world we want to live in. So, yeah, that 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 going to extremes or going to to kind of like black and white thinking, that's a very common result of, of trauma Absolutely. experiences. And, and um, yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to kind of shine a little yeah, light. No, I, I think you, that is a very good point. And it's that is so accurate because that's it's true. You see it all the time. It's people there's very it seems like there's very little room for self thought or self you know like exploration if someone hears something they would rather it's easier for them to to jump on board than than to go and and look for themselves and 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 find what is it what's the real answer instead of just instead of saying yeah well he his his uh tail sounds sounds good we'll go with him and <laughs> it's it's unfortunate but yeah a lot of i guess we just need to i think people have to be able to not 
allow themselves and I've and I've worked on that myself is not allow themselves to get caught up in in all the the chaos and this and the crazy the craziness out there because I remember I used to I used to sit on Twitter and for an hour or so going through all the crazy uh, tweets and and responses and and just going oh my god how can how do people think and and feel like this and and say things like that and now it's like i don't spend energy on it i you know i i catch myself going oh right right no i i sh- i'm i don't i don't do this anymore i don't i don't go and and read all this all these these crazy tweets that that are out there just to grab attention or to, or to make a name or whatever and I try to focus on the good stuff or spend my energy on more positive, you know, positive things out there that are, that are going to benefit me. And, and it there, yeah, it, and it's, there is a positive outcome from it. You know, I, instead of spending all that time doing stuff that's, that it is impacting my ability to move forward, I, I'm finding it so much easier because there's less energy spent on on negativity and and more on self-improvement and and that's a I think that's a good step you know one of the steps to to help someone who has trauma and struggling with it is to to step away from so much all that all that negativity out there Mm. and try to focus on on themselves or focus on a good thing or which is which is super challenging you know yeah it would sound strange to someone that doesn't understand or know trauma but for people that have experienced a lot of trauma positivity and even something like love and care can feel wrong yeah it can feel uncomfortable it can make you make you that your skin crawl like you want to run out out of the room because it's so foreign and and a lot of things happen when when you know something positive or something loving or something caring shows up for someone that is totally not used to it is yeah. a there's often a sense of like i don't i don't trust this this isn't real um b there can be easily a sense that um if it's there and if it's good it's not going to last and and so a lot of people will will blow up a relationship or an interaction because the idea of it being good and then them losing it is so terrible that they would rather be the instrument of it ending than to have to wait to for it to happen to them so like there's these things that that don't make a lot of sense to someone looking in from the outside but but when you understand trauma it makes total sense that that, that would yeah. be the case um so you know i just want to bring the pieces for people that are listening that are carrying their 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 unintegrated traumatic past still in their lives is like i think a lot of times it can feel like impossible like mount everest like how am i ever going to sort all this out and and one of the things that i really want to share with people and whether i'm working directly with them or you know just through things like this like a podcast is you don't have to fix it all you don't have to have all the answers you don't have to figure it all out what's important is can you do something today something small that is a little bit different than yesterday that is a little bit more supportive to yourself to your own sense of well-being, to your own sense of connection with humanity, to your own sense of of being happy to be alive. If you can do just a little something each day that was more than yesterday and you string some days together, the next steps start to reveal themselves. Like the, the, the next journey, the next guide that you need, the next resource, those things start to show up when we start to do these little things. There's a there's a book. It's, it's more around um, like peak performance, but there's a book called... Uh, it's a guy. I think his name is Jesse. Forgetting his last name, Jesse Smith. I might be getting that wrong. Anyway, he wrote a book called uh, uh, Atomic Habits, and okay. what he's really talking about is how tiny differences create massive differences in results over time. Mm. And 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 so to me, if someone's just interested in learning more, I think that book would be an an interesting place to go, just to to remind you that that you know. You know, the journey of a thousand steps begins with, or the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yeah. It, it, that's all you need. You just need the next step, and and life will afford you more as you go. Um, and and I know how how cynical we can be. I know how hard it can it can be to to trust or to try yeah. again. 
and my experience of working with literally thousands and thousands of people that have experienced significant trauma, it's worth it. It's Absolutely. simply worth it, and and it's not an easy road. And no. uh, when that's okay with us, uh, new things can start to happen. Real real transformation can start to happen. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I went from constantly like instinctively questioning myself and questioning reality of of what i'm in and what i you know is this for real or do i do i deserve this to you know not having to question it believing it outright and the first thought that you could, comes to mind is yes this is good this i like the feeling of this and i want this and i want more of it and if you you know it, it's it's not a quick path you know you're not going to go from from zero to a hundred in, in a day but with like you said each each day it's it's you do something a little different or a little more and you're moving forward eventually you get to that point where you're like it, you step out out the door and and, and it's not looking around you know where where are the people who who are holding me back it's more like let's go like you're you're out looking for people who are going to be a positive influence in your life that's you know that's like ultimately if you think about it in that aspect that's where you want to be so you want to be going out looking for them instead of hiding from from people who you believe are holding you back yeah yeah and and you know something like courage is is it's a must you have to be willing to to be in the fire or lean into the fire or, you know, see and feel the fear that's there and relate to something other than the fear. And that's why human relationship and connection is so helpful for mm -hmm. a journey like healing traumas, because when we don't see it and feel it, someone else can reflect it to us. Yeah. And now eventually, of course, that the real goal is where you internalize it. And you can, even in a moment where you don't feel safe or you don't feel solid or you feel some old pattern or some old emotion and it really starts to take you in that moment for you to know, oh, I don't have to go down that road anymore. I don't need yeah. that, that coping strategy. I, I get it. I see it. It's compelling. I really want to use it right now. And just today, I'm not going to. So again, like the, the, the relationships we can develop, the connections, the the community we can start to invite around ourselves makes such a massive difference. And, yeah. and the most powerful thing we can do is to, to source that kind of reflection within ourselves so that, you know, when people are around, we use them. We're meant to use each other, not, not in a bad way, but we're meant to, yeah. to literally use one another to all move forward together. And when we've self-sourced that piece, when people are not around, we, we keep moving forward. We don't use our own lack of access to external supports as a reason to not do what we can without that support. And, and, and eventually, this is another thing that I love to share with people that have experienced a lot of trauma, is hmm. if you sincerely walk this path for a good amount of time, you become an incredible resource and, and really a beacon for others along that path because someone who is healed from trauma is able to provide something to people who are healing that someone who has not experienced trauma cannot yeah it's just different absolutely i i agree with that 100 percent. yeah i i the i think the most recent thing i can remember in my own path was when I was talking to a friend of mine and I didn't have to be told, I said it myself. I said, yeah, sure. This is going to be tough for a while, but I know that I've got a group of close friends who are there for me. And that alone makes it so much more, you know, plausible, so much better. And, I, I don't feel like I'm by myself. I don't feel alone in this. I, you know, I don't have to, to worry. I don't have to, to think about all that negative. All I go is say, yeah, I've got people who are there for me. And 
that is enough to, you know, to, to get through this. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Um, thank you so much, Dolphin, for being on this show. Uh, this was very uh, enlightening and extremely beneficial, not just for myself, but I'm sure for my audience. Um, they're going to get a lot out of this. I, I can already tell that. Yeah. Yeah. Russell, I really appreciate you reaching out to invite me. It's been an enjoyable time. I hope we get to do it again sometime. And, and yeah, for anyone that wants to uh, find me, Dolphin Casper is my name. So I'm, I'm easy to find on social media. Instagram uh, is probably the easiest place to kind of find my contact info. And yeah, just invite people to, to engage, reach out. Uh, I share quite a bit of my writing and my work online. So I would love to, to share more with you and, and to be in touch. So again, thank Excellent. you for the time. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again later. Bye.